just talk to him. He talks back. He's the only God there is that we can actually talk to and hear from him. Amen. I don't know about you, but there's certainly been plenty of times in my life where there's only one voice I wanted to hear, and that was the voice of my Savior, because I knew he was the only one that could speak the words that I needed to hear in my time of need. Amen. It's so good to see you in God's house this evening. As you can see, the title of my message for tonight is Scriptural Intake, A Pursuit in Godliness. That's part one. I don't know how many parts I'm going to have. You know, when I started in this whole thing about godliness and pursuit of godliness, I I thought it might be one or two weeks, but it just seems like the Holy Spirit just keeps expanding that, and I don't know how to get away from it. So I'm not even going to try to. Amen. It's where he wants me to be. It's where I'm going to stay. But before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just make sure that everything tonight is all right. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your goodness, for your presence, for your spirit, for your promise. I thank you, Father God, that when we have just even a little talk with you, you make everything all right. So that's what I'm going to do just in these few seconds. God, have a little talk with you to make sure that everything tonight goes right. Father, I pray for your anointing to rest upon me and rest upon your people. God, even if I was able to stand up here tonight on my own and bring forth your word, I would not want to. I want your presence, your power, your anointing. I want your truth, your revelation, your words, your heart, Father God, to come forth to your people tonight. 
So speak your word and your truths, Father God, and use me. Purify me, cleanse me, come against every distraction, disruption, Father God, that might try to keep your word from finding a fertile place within our hearts. And then I pray, Father God, when it finds that place, you would seal it and that you would cause it to grow and that we would come forth with fruit and fruit that would last. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Like I said, prior to the holidays, I had been speaking to you on and off and all around this subject of godliness and our pursuit of godliness. And if you recall, I built it around the, the verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul writes to young Timothy, his protege or his up-and-coming uh, student, and he says, Have nothing to do with godless, godless myths and old wives' tales, but rather train yourself to be godly. And what I want you to remember, if you were here from the beginning, is that Paul was outlining to Timothy uh, the most important uh, spiritual exercise I believe there is, and that is training to be godly. Whether you agree with me or not, I'm telling you my personal belief. I don't believe that there is any single personal uh, greater uh, exercise that we can enter into as Christians than training to acquire the character of Christ in our lives. There's no greater spiritual exercise you can enter into than training to be like God and training to be like His Son, Jesus Christ. And when it comes to this type of training, we've already learned that there are three principles that we must have established in our lives if we want this kind of training to be successful. If we want this type of training to be profitable, if we want to train, if we don't want to train in vain, then there are three principles we must always apply to our training, and that is commitment coaching and constant practice. I'm not going to re-preach that. I just want you to understand that if you weren't here, these are three fundamental principles that must be behind our training, church. Commitment, coaching, and constant practice. And what I want to speak to you about tonight is the fact that all of these principles, these three principles and practices, must be built upon the Word of God. Because the Word of God plays, uh, uh, plays the, the most crucial part in our spiritual growth process. You can't grow without the Word of God. You can't become like Christ without the Word of God. You cannot have the nature and the character of God developed in your life without the Word of God. Without the Word of God, we cannot grow to be like Christ because the reality is this is Christ. If you remember, the Word of God tells us in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So this might not look like Jesus physically, but I want you to understand that the Word of God is God. The Word of God is Jesus, church. And so I, I believe that I can confidently say that without the Word in our lives, we cannot be like Christ because this is Christ. Everything you want to know about Jesus is right here. Every, every character and aspect and quality of Jesus Christ is right here. And if we don't have this, we can't be like Christ. Amen? So this is what I want you to understand this evening, is that, is that in order to grow in godliness, if you look at those three principles I told you, we must be committed to the Word of God. We must be coached by the Word of God, and we must be constantly involved and in practicing the Word of God in our lives. 
We must be committed to its teachings. If we look at that first principle, we must be committed to its teachings. We've got to be committed to its will. We've got to be committed to its truths and its standards and its statutes and its ordinances and the direction that it gives us in our life. We must be committed to the Word of God if we have any intention of being like God or or like Jesus Christ, we must be committed to the word of God. We've got to be committed to walking in these ways and not our own ways. We've got to be committed to doing what is right according to the word of God and not what is right according to the word of man or the word of the world or the word of Hollywood or the word of anyone else. We've got to be committed to doing the word of God, church, because this is what leads us to godliness. Amen. Without it. Our pursuit of godliness would be in vain. Without it, our pursuit of godliness seriously would be profitless. The reality is we can pursue godliness all we want, but without this, we will never acquire it. Without this, we will never grasp it. Without this, it will never be developed in our lives. So you and I can say all I want. Well, I'm pursuing godliness and I'm I'm in a pursuit of godliness. But the reality is without this, you'll never acquire it. Without this, it will always be out of your reach. Without this, you will always struggle to win in this pursuit. And you will you will find that your training is profitless without the word of God being established in your lives. Not only are are we to be committed to the word of God? We've got to be coached by the word of God. This is our coach. I know I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but the word of God, listen, the spirit brings the word of God to life. If you don't have the word of God in you, the spirit can't teach you anything because the spirit and the word are the same. If you want the word of God to come alive, or if you want the spirit of God to really operate in your life, you better have the word of God in your life. Otherwise, you'll be operating according to the spirit of flesh and not according to the spirit of the one holy God. We must have the the word of God in our lives if we expect the spirit of God to do anything in our lives. But here's what we have to understand. We've got to be coached by this. We've got to be instructed by this. We've got to allow ourselves to be rebuked by this and and corrected by this and reproved by this and instructed by this and, and trained by this. Without this, the coach can't do anything. You understand? I want you to understand that this is the Holy Spirit's training manual for our lives. This is what the Holy Spirit uses when he wants to reveal truth to you. He doesn't make up anything else. He speaks this into our life. He brings this revelation to our lives. The Holy Spirit will never reveal anything to you or I that has not been revealed in his word. And if what is revealed to you does not line up with the word, I want you to understand right now it's not the Holy Spirit. So you better take every revelation that comes into your life and mirror it to the Word of God. Because otherwise you'll be led astray. You'll be following false doctrine and you'll be following some false revelation that won't lead you where you need to go. But my point is, we must be coached by this Word. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and what training in godliness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Again, without the word of God, our training will be in vain. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to have some uh, profitless exercise every week. I want there to be profit to what I do in this thing called spiritual training. I want there to be profit in my reading. I want there to be profit in my coming to the house of God. I want there to be profit in me going into the prayer closet. I'm not talking about selfishly. I'm just saying there, whatever we do in our spiritual training, I would hope you want to profit from it. And the only way we can profit from it is if we allow ourselves to be coached by it. Amen. And then finally, after commit, being committed to the word of God and being coached by the word of God, we finally have to practice the word of God. It has to be practiced over and over and over and over and over again in our life. Just like the athlete we learned a number of weeks ago has to practice their sport over and over again. We've got to practice the Word of God. Listen, the reality is you're not going to get the Word of God right every single time. You start out, out as a little baby and a little infant in the Word of God, you're going to make some mistakes. Even if you're a mature saint, you're going to make some mistakes. But you've got to do it over and over and over again. You've got to allow yourself to be coached by it over and over and over again. You've got to recommit yourself to it over and over and over again. You can't say, okay, well, God, I, I've, I've been committed to it for a week, and now that's got to last me to eternity. God, I went to service one week, or I, I went to an eight-week Bible study. And that's all I need now. And that'll carry me to eternity. You've got to practice it over and over and over and over again. Listen, if you don't, uh, and it's not just in the house of God, you've got to practice the things of God in every area of your life. You've got to practice the Word of God in your marriage every single day. You've got to practice love, and that's the Word of God, right? Love and patience and, and meekness and gentleness and forgiveness. If you're not practicing that in your marriage, guess what? You won't find profit in your marriage. It won't be blessed. It'll fall apart in your family, in your finances. We've got to practice, 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 practice the Word of God in our lives. Amen? You can practice a whole lot of things to try to find success. But the only way you and I will find true spiritual success and the only way we will find this thing called godliness is if we practice the Word of God. It is what sets us apart from everything else. Every other individual out in the world, it's what sets us apart from the world when we practice the Word of God. The truth is the most important aspect of our training process in godliness is our time in the Word of God. It is the, the most important aspect of, of our training. It's being in the Word of God, church. Look, I, I don't want to be condemning right off the bat, but in all reality, if we are not in the Word of God... We are not in Christ Jesus. If we are not in the Word of God, we are not in Christ Jesus because, again, going back, this is Jesus. This is God. And if we're not in the Word, we're not in Him. If we're not in the Word of God, we're not in His promises. If we're not in the Word of God, we're not in His will. If we're not in the Word of God, we're not in His way. If we're not, you understand what I'm saying? If we're not in the Word of God, we're not in His presence. We have to be in the Word of God if we truly want to find this thing called godliness in our lives. If we're not in the Word of God, I'll tell you, there's one thing we will be in, and that's in trouble. Without the Word of God, listen, you and I are in nothing but trouble, big trouble. Listen, if you want to stay out of trouble, stay in the Word. If you want to stay out of heartache, stay in the Word. If you want to stay out of darkness, stay in the Word. 
If you want to stay out of temptation, stay in the Word. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? If you want to stay out of the pig pens of life, stay in the Word of God. David said, how shall a young man keep his ways pure? By staying in the Word of God. And we've got to do that same exact thing in our pursuit of godliness. Because without the Word of God, we'll never get there. Without the Word of Christ, we will never be conformed to the character of Christ in our lives. What I mainly want to look at this evening, and I know I'm not going to cover all of these one or two is what I'll probably cover. But when it comes to Scripture... When it comes to scriptural intake, like is the title of my message, or the title of you could call this little mini-series, there's five methods we should strive to have fixed in our lives and established as part of our training process or in our training process. That is, hearing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, and meditating on the Word of God. These are five elements that will help us in our pursuit of godliness. These are five elements that we must build our training process on. Listen, without all five of these, you'll have trouble grasping them. Uh, You and I got five fingers on our hand. Two hands to do it. And if you're missing one, and you know anybody that is missing one, you might be able to grasp some stuff, but you can't fully grasp. You'll have some difficulties. The reality is these are the five fingers that we must have in order to grasp hold or grab hold of this thing called godliness. And if any of them are missing... We'll have a hard time holding on to those, hard time grasping on to those. So we've got to strive to practice all five of these methods in our pursuit of godliness. The first most common method of scriptural intake is hearing the word of God, hearing the word of God, hearing it taught, hearing it spoke, hearing it sang, hearing it preached, especially church, hearing it in the house of God. There's no greater place for you to hear the Word of God than in the house of God. Amen? I I know we can hear the Word of God on radio, and a lot of us do. I know we can hear radio on television set, and I know a lot of us do, or on cable or satellite, and a lot of us do. But I want us to understand that the house of God is where we are truly equipped by hearing the Word of God. The house of God is where we are held accountable to the Word of God. The house of God is where we hear from our appointed shepherd who has been appointed by God. The house of God is where we learn lessons that we might never learn anywhere else, even in our own personal time with God. This house, this house of God, is where we are stirred up by way of remembrance. You see, the house of God is this place where truth and revelation are released into our lives through the five-fold ministry of the church, which most of you should know, is apostles and prophets and evangelists and preachers and teachers, all of which operate in and through the house of God. And if there was anybody that was given the call or the right to speak the Word of God, it's those individuals. And it's those individuals that operate in the house of God. It's why the house of God is the first place we must commit ourselves to hearing from God, is in the house of God. I know a lot of people believe that they can attain godliness without the house of God. They believe that they can grow in the Lord without a, a church body and without a pastor, without a shepherd, without a church family, without Sunday school and without Bible study. But none of us, church, none of us can ever become so spiritually self-sufficient that we can do without the house of God. 
None of us can ever get to this place spiritually where we feel like I've arrived at such a place that I no longer need a shepherd in my life. I no longer need accountability in my life. I no longer need Bible study. I no longer need to hear the word of the Lord spoken from someone else because I'm in such a place where I just hear from God all by myself. You see, listen to me, church. There will be times where you don't, where God seems like He's a million miles away. And the only way you'll hear from God is through someone else. Someone else that is tuned into God. Someone else that's been praying about your situation and your circumstances, just like your pastor has. And you need to learn to heed His voice and hear His voice. If any of us ever get to the place where we think, I don't need God's house anymore then you're mocking God. You're mocking His order. You're setting yourself above His Word. And we cannot afford to do that, church, especially in our pursuit of godliness. Ephesians 4.11 tells us that God has risen up preachers. This is the fivefold ministry that I'm talking about. But He's risen up these individuals for a reason. It's to coach us in the deep things of God. It's to reveal to us the the truth of God and the, the deep things of God, church, that we might not otherwise learn or understand on our own. He's appointed preachers and teachers to help bring light to the Word of God and understanding to the Word of God and revelation to the Word of God. You know as well as I do, there's been times you've come into the house of God and pastor, preacher, someone has preached a word that you've read a thousand times but have never seen what what, what you saw on that Sunday. Or you saw on a Wednesday or, or that you heard some other time. I guarantee you, every one of you in this house have, have, have been in the house of God, hearing the Word of God and hearing something completely different than what you've ever read all on your own or heard all on your own. We need the house of God, church. This, this is the place where we are equipped. This is, this is the place that equips us in our training process in this pursuit of godliness, church. The reality is we need to be trained by men of God uh, who, who can speak into our lives. We need trained men of God, I might say, to speak into our lives what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to His people. You see, the house of God is this place where God can bring 100 or 50 or 5,000 people into one setting and speak a word into their life. A word that they all need to hear. A word that they all need to understand. A word that is, 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 is ripe. A, a word that is in season because of what God sees going on in our lives as a whole or in our community or in our nation. There are words that we all need to hear together. And there's words that we need to hear separately. But we need to understand that this place, church has been set by God to be a, a training facility and an equipping facility. And, and there are times, every single one of us need trained men of God. Listen, I'm not saying that everyone up here that stands behind this pulpit is any better than you are. I'm saying that God has led these individuals to such a place where they can spend their day They can spend their time researching and seeking and coming before God like many of you can't because of your work and your job. And you might not have the time that we have, but God has appointed pastors and preachers and teachers and all those individuals so that he can better equip the people. And if we feel like we can do without them, we're going to suffer loss. And all of our own personal training will be profitless, church. So we need the house of God. We need a good shepherd in order to lead us beside still waters, church. 
Because if we don't, we're going to find ourselves in rushing rivers instead. Overtaken by the cares and the concerns and the pains and the heartaches of life. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I need to be led beside still waters, church. And I might need my pastor to help me do that. I know that God can do that on his own. I know the Holy Spirit can do that on his own. You understand what I'm saying, but this God has ordained the house of God as a place where we can hear from God. The Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And if there was ever a place that we can hear what God has to say to his people, it's in his house. It's in his house. If we want to hear God's will clearest, I believe we can hear it in his house. I believe if we want to hear from God, we need to be in God's house. If we want to understand God's will, we need to be in God's house. If we want to receive God's revelation, we need to be in God's house. This is where God reveals himself greater than any other place. Listen, we all have our own homes. And nobody knows what goes on in our home better than those people in that home. People on the outside of that home may not have any clue what's going on in your house. But if you want to truly understand what's going on in a home, move in. Make it your dwelling place. And all of a sudden, you'll discover everything you need to know about the people who dwell in that house. If you want to know everything there is to know about God, if you want to know everything there is to know about the Spirit of God and the Word of God, come and dwell in His house. Come and dwell in His presence. If you want to know the secrets of God, like you can find out the secrets of your neighbor if you move into their house and unpack your bags there, you do the same thing in the house of God. David said... There's no greater place that I'd rather be one day in his courts, one day in his house, one day in his presence is greater than a thousand anywhere else because it's in his house I hear from God. It's in his house that I meet with God. It's in his house that I receive even a greater revelation from God. You see, listen to me. David David received revelations from God out on a shepherd's field. But he understood that there was something about the house of God. And he desired to be there more than anywhere else. And we must do the same thing, church, in our pursuit of godliness. We have to hear the word and we have to be willing to hear it in his house, church. Not that church is the only place I said we can hear from God, but it is certainly the ordained place where we can hear from God. It's why I try my best every single week, church, to bring you truth. It's why I study my heart out to try to bring you some kind of revelation, church. It's why I study to show myself approved, not to you, but to God, but also so that when I stand up here, you can receive a word from the Lord that will help you in your pursuit of godliness, that will help you in your daily struggles, that will help you to be and develop the character of Christ in your life. But here's what you and I need to learn above even that. Hearing alone is not enough, church. It's the starting point, but it's not the finishing point. Hearing is the building block, but it's not the structure. It's not the final product. And and I'm saying that twofold reasons. We need those other four ways of uh, of intaking God's word, but but I want to back up just a little bit and say hearing isn't alone because Paul said we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. You see, the reality is you can sit in the house of God every single day, seven days a week, week after week after week, but if you don't do what you hear, 
I want you to understand that your sitting is profitless. I want you to understand that your listening is in vain. Because the, the Word of God, which is God, God said that, uh, that, that you've got to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. The reality is we're to act on what we hear. We're supposed to do what we hear. We're to practice what we hear. We're to apply what we hear. We're to implement what we hear on a regular basis, church. We're to do more than listen to the pastor. We are to practice what is preached, especially if it lines up with the Word of God, especially when it is the Word of God. Now, listen, I know you can go into a lot of churches that will practice stuff that has nothing to do with the Word of God. I'm not talking about practicing that stuff. I'm I'm talking about practicing what you know is the Word of God. I, I know even... Myself and our pastor, inadvertently, we can make mistakes with the Word of God. Not to lead you astray purposely, but you have to be... That's one of the other reasons you got to understand the Word of God and use the Word of God so that you can balance it in your life. And under yes, that is the Word of God. That is, that is the Holy Spirit speaking into my life. But we've got to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. When it comes to hearing the Word of God, the Bible shows us two different groups of people. In Ezekiel 33:31, we find the first group of individuals. God speaking to Ezekiel concerning his congregation, his followers, his church, you might say. And he says this to Ezekiel in order to reveal to him the condition of their heart and the type of Christians they have become. And he says, they, meaning your congregation, your people, your followers, they come as they usually do. And I want you to understand that God is making it clear to Ezekiel that they are practicing coming to his into his they're practicing coming to church you might say. It says they come as they usually do and they sit before you as they usually do and they listen to you as they usually do. You see they had a practice going on but it was still profitless because the Bible says they didn't do what they heard. They had a practice of getting up every morning. They had a practice of putting on their suit. They had a practice of dressing up nice. They had a practice of picking up their their scriptures. They had a practice of walking to the temple. They had a practice of picking out their favorite seat. And they had a practice of listening to the gospel or listening to prophecy or listening to the word of God. The only practice that was missing was doing what they heard. And what happens with that, you, you, you and I can have a pra- you, you and I can practice coming into the house of God all we want. But until we practice what is preached, the other stuff means nothing. It, it doesn't matter how many times you come into the house of God until you and I start practicing what is preached, then it means nothing. It's profitless and, and all of that other stuff is in vain. We have to understand that. That's one group of people. And sadly, the reality is, The house of God today, the modern church today, is filled with individuals who have a practice of coming into the house of God, but they have yet to practice what's been preached. And and this is exactly why, because God goes on to tell Ezekiel that to his audience, to his congregation, to his church people, he was nothing more than, it says this, a singer with a beautiful voice who plays an instrument well. To the Jews who were God's people... To the Jews who were elect, Ezekiel was nothing more than an entertainer because the Bible says they had no intention 
of doing what he said. They had no intention, no desire, no, no motivation to do anything that Ezekiel said. You see, the reality is when you and I get up on Sunday morning in an effort to come to the house of God, our number one intention should be to learn from God and have a desire to do what is preached. That should be our number one intention. When we come into the house of God, our number one intention should be to pursue godliness, to, to hear the word of God with gladness and then do what it says. But the Bible makes it clear that there are a group of individuals that have a practice of coming to church but yet they don't practice what's being preached. And God said that kind of practice is profitless. That kind of effort is all in vain. Because the only way that you will find profit in listening is by doing what you hear. Please understand that. I don't want to get too teachy and fancy with my words. But the reality is we have to do what is preached. You and I, listen, there's, there were times in my life, and if you're all honest, you say the same thing. There were years in my life where I had a good practice of getting up, putting on my suit, coming to church, carrying my Bible, practice finding a parking spot, practice finding my seat, practice clapping, practice singing, practice putting a dollar in the offering plate. I was practiced up in all of that stuff, but I was lousy at doing what I heard God speak. And the house of God is filled with that. And until, listen, until I came to that place where the number one practice and the number one priority in my life was doing what God spoke to me in the house of God. Until that became a priority in my life, I was lost. I couldn't experience the blessings of God. And, and, and listen, it, it, it goes back to this. It goes to... Understanding that same thing, all of us, the number one practice should be, God, yes, coming to your house this morning, coming into your house hoping to hear your word, and my desire is to learn from your, your prophet, learn from your pastor, learn from my shepherd, learn from the word of God. My desire and, and, my, and my goal and my principle a priority in coming to the house of God is to hear what you speak so I can implement it in my life and, and, and create the character of Christ in my life. If our priority is anything but that, it's the wrong priority. If our priority and practice is anything but that, it's profitless and it's all in vain. Listen, I know that you can come into the house of God with no intention because of how powerful the Word of God is. I know you can come into the house of God with no intention of hearing the Word of God or doing the Word of God, and the Word of God still find a place in your soul so that five years later, five days later, five weeks later, that Word that was sown will all of a sudden, God will bring to life once again, and He'll bring it to your ears, and He'll bring it to your heart, hoping that you'll respond then because you didn't respond five years before. There is power in the Word of God, even if you have no intention of listening to it or obeying it. But somewhere along the way, that Word will rise up within your life and grab a hold of you and cause you to do it. Listen, if you've got unsaved loved ones, if you've got an unsaved son and you've got an unsaved daughter and you're toiling in prayer over, over their salvation, please understand, one of your prayers should be, God, let your word rise up within them. 
Because it's been sown into them, it's been spoken into them. They came year after year into your house because I dragged them. They had no intention of listening, no intentioning of doing, but the seed was sown. And now I ask you again, God, to raise that word up in their soul so they might respond to it again. That's the power of God's word. But my point to us this evening is personal. We have to do what God speaks into our life. The sad reality is, so often, the house of God is just like the Israelites. We come to be entertained. We come into the house of God. We want our emotions moved. We want a thrill to run up and down our spine. We want to be excited by what we hear, but we don't want to be humbled by it, church. You see, there's a big difference. God wants you to be excited about the word. God wants you to be excited about coming into his house, but he wants you to be willing to be humbled by his word as well. Our whole desire shouldn't be to come into the house, oh, excite me today, God, motivate me today, all of that. We've got to be willing to come into the house of God to be humbled by His Word as well. And if we don't have that, then the Word of God can't accomplish what it wants to in our life. So please keep that in mind as in our pursuit of godliness. Hearing without doing is empty. It's a void practice and it's a profitless practice. And there are a group of individuals in the house of God. That is where they're at. But in Acts 17.11, we find a profitable practice. In Acts 17.11, we find a group that understands what it means to, understands that they can't just be hearers of the word. They've got to be doers as well. And here's what it is. Paul is speaking about the Berean church who the Bible says received the message with great eagerness and with an intent to obey. The, the, the passage you see there is they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scripture every day in order to receive the truth. And when you study that, it means they had an intent to obey. They had an eagerness to come into the house of God. They had an eagerness to come into the presence of God. They had an eagerness to come to hear what God had to say, not what Ezekiel had to say, not to be entertained by by the prophet, not to be entertained by the evangelist, not to be entertained by the teacher or by the prophet. They came to learn the word of God. They had an eagerness to come and understand what God was speaking into their life so they could receive truth and then live by it. They understood that unless they understood the truth of God's Word and applied it to their life, they'd never see God. They weren't the elect. They weren't the Jews. They were the Bereans. But yet they understood. Listen, if you read this passage of Scripture, you will find out that God Himself called them a more noble people than His own people because they had an eagerness to hear the Word and a willingness to do the Word. He said they are more noble than the Jews. They're more noble... They're more honorable than what God himself called a chosen people, a holy nation, and a royal priesthood. Why? Simply because they, they, they wanted to be doers of the word of God. If you want to be an honorable individual in the eyes of God, have a heart to do the word of God. If you want to be a noble individual in the eyes of God, have a desire to do the word of God. Uh, it, uh, this was the first time that I actually studied and understand this passage of Scripture, never really had seen it before, that he called the Bereans a more noble people than his own, simply because they had a desire to be doers of his word and not be entertained by his word alone. And God forgive us if we are not a noble people. 
God forgive us as Christians, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. If he looks at our lives and says, you know what? There's a more noble people than them. There's a more honorable people than them. Because there's a group out there that has an eagerness to hear my word and an eagerness to do my word. God forgive us if that is ever said of us. But we have to understand in our pursuit of godliness, in our pursuit of holiness, in our pursuit of uh, developing the character of Christ in our lives, we must apply the truth of God to our lives as well. I don't want to linger on this, but I want us to understand that God says it is ennoble. It's an ennoble practice not to be a doer of his word. There's something ennoble, God says, about an individual who fails to do my word. There's something ennoble about that individual that comes into my house week after week, hearing what the preacher has to say, but never responds to it. God is saying there's something ennoble about that. There's something dishonorable about that. If you read the word of God, you know the passage that says in a big house, there's many vessels. There's vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. There are noble vessels and there are ennoble vessels. And I want you to understand that the ennoble vessel is a vessel that fails to do what God says. I want you to understand that the noble vessel is the one that eagerly receives the word of God. The noble vessel is the one that doesn't let anything get in the way of his pursuit of godliness. The noble vessel is the one that says, God, I hear you, but now I I don't just hear you. I'm going to do what you tell me to say. You see, that passage goes on to say that's not only the noble vessel, it's the profitable vessel. We're of no profit to the kingdom if we don't do his word. Listen, please understand, you can read this all you want, but until you do it, you're of no value to the kingdom of God. I'm not saying stop reading until you can do everything that's in here. I'm telling you that the Word of God makes it clear that you can read the Word of God all day, but until you do it, you're of no profit to the kingdom of God. Until you love your neighbor like Christ, until you love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Until you put that into practice. You understand you're not profitable in your marriage. Until you love your neighbor like you love yourself. You're not profitable to the kingdom of God. Until until you do the word of God. You're not profitable to the kingdom of God. We can read it all we want. We can have it memorized from front, back, and and, and everything in between. But until we begin to practice the Word of God, we're really of no value to the kingdom of God. I'm not saying, please understand this. I'm not saying that God doesn't love that person. He does. I'm just saying that God is saying, look, there's there's a profitable group of people. And there's an unprofitable group of people. There's a noble people and there's an innoble people. There's an honorable people and a dishonorable people. And if we want to be honorable, if we want to be noble, if we want to be profitable to the kingdom of God, we have to be doers of his word as well. If we want to honor God, we've got to hear his word and we've got to do his word, church. James 1, 25 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do it. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And the reality is the house of God, according to God, not me, and I was once one of them, the house of God, according to the word of God, is filled with fools. The house of God, according to the word of God, is filled with individuals who come into the house, hear the word, but don't do it. And God calls that foolish. 
It's a foolish thing to come into the house of God and not do what is preached. It's a foolish thing to have a practice of coming into his presence and just ignoring what he says. We deceive ourselves, the Bible says. The Bible says that that individual is foolish. And he goes on, he says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, do what it says, again, doing what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it, church. Please grasp that. The blessing isn't in the hearing. The blessing is in the doing. The reward is not in the hearing. The reward is in the doing. God himself said, I bless those who do my word. Those who not just receive my word, but put my word into practice. It will bless them for doing it. There's no blessing in listening or profit in listening unless we do what the Bereans did. And that is to receive the word with great eagerness and with an intent to obey, with an intent to do what they have heard. And I wonder, church, I examined this myself. I wonder how often I look back at my own life. I look back at my life even right now today. And I wonder how often I come into the house of God, eager to hear the word of God and eager to do what it says. I wonder how many times we come into the house of God saying to ourselves, I can't wait to hear what God has to say today, and I can't wait to do it. Can't wait to hear the will of God for my life. Can't wait to be rebuked. Can't wait to be corrected. Can't wait to be set straight. Can't wait to have the, the, the word of God speak into my life, no matter what he speaks. No matter what he asks me to do, I can't wait to hear from God, and I can't wait to do what he says. It's been a long time. Listen, I'm not saying I don't have that heart, but I know I've not had that communication with God. It doesn't seem to be like this prevailing uh, character trait in my life, my own life. God, I, I just can't wait to get in there and do what you tell me to do. It should be. But it's not that way every single day. But what I'm telling you, for me to attain the full character of Christ, for me to have the the full blessings of God, for me to have the full revelation of God, for me to have the goodness of God released into my life, that has to be my desire every single day. It has to be my desire every time I come into the house of God. God, speak to me because I want to do what you say. Reveal your will to me because I want to obey it, God, because I know when I am a doer of the word, I bring honor to your kingdom and I bring blessings into my own life. This is what God desires from us, church. So our pursuit of godliness must be built upon the word of God. It must be built upon hearing the word of God and it must be built upon doing the word of God. If we want if we want the practice of coming to church to be profitable We've got to do, learn to do what we hear. Amen. You see, I've got several others and I, I really don't have the time to get going on the next one. But I want to give you a, a preface. The second method of scriptural intake becomes more personal. You see, here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to hearing, it's a three-way thing. When it comes to hearing, it involves God, me, and someone else. When it, when, it, when it comes to hearing the word of God, it, it involves me and the Holy Spirit and the prophet. 
or me and the Holy Spirit and the preacher or me and the Holy Spirit and the Sunday school teacher or me and the, the, the Holy Spirit and the evangelist that comes. Or You understand what I'm saying? Me and the Holy Spirit and my spiritual leader, my mother, my brother, my friend, my next door neighbor. It involves three of us. But you see, that's not enough in our spiritual growth process because the next step becomes more personal. It gets the other person out of the way and it leaves you and God. God all by yourself. And that is the, 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 the practice of reading the Word of God. You see, the reality is hearing the Word of God in today's church is, is more of a weekly process. Sunday morning, Wednesday evening, we'd be lucky in the modern church. We all hear the Word of God in the house of God two times a week max, one Once a month for a lot of people is when they hear the the Word of God. But reading the Word of God becomes more personal. It's you and God, you and the Holy Spirit, you and His will, you and His ways, you and His revelation. That's what I want to talk to you about next week. But I want you to understand that God takes us deeper and deeper and deeper when we get into this pursuit of godliness. So what we have to understand, it's not enough to just hear the Word of God and do the Word of God. We must read the Word of God as well. If the only time you hear from God is on Sunday morning, you're not hearing enough from God. If the only time that you receive revelation from God is on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, your revelation is incomplete. Your knowledge is incomplete. Your wisdom is incomplete. You understand? The truth that you're receiving is incomplete. And if all of those things are incomplete, then you're incomplete as well. You're not full, you're not whole. The only way that you and I can receive the full revelation of God is by reading the full revelation of God. You see, the reality is, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the pastor can never preach to you in one year the whole Word of God. I could never preach to you in in 52 weeks the whole Word of God. Good Lord, look at it. I'm, I'm talking to you about godliness, and it's probably one topic. And it's been five, six, seven, eight weeks. We could never preach to you the entire Word of God in 365 days. But in 365 days, you can get alone with God. Open up the revelation of God. Open up the will of God and the truth of God and the understanding of God and find out what God is all about. 365 days out of the week. You want to know why so many people are confused about the will of God? Because they've got an Im- they've, they've got a partial revelation. They've got a partial understanding. They they hear from the Word of God through the man of God once a week or twice a month. And they wonder why they don't have revelation. And they wonder why they don't have truth. And they, they wonder why they're walking in circles and they can't seem to get over their mountain. It's because they, they've never filled in the gaps. They've never gone through the entire Word of God to bring all of the pieces together to give them better understanding of what the man of God has preached to them. You will be incomplete until you learn how to read the Word of God. Incomplete. And the sad reality is, the house of God is filled with incomplete individuals. Because they've never gotten past the first step of building the Word of God in their life. They're relying on the pastor to get them through. They're relying on the pastor to give them complete revelation. But God didn't say that. Listen, we have to get our complete revelation on our own. 
by reading the word of God. It's really what I'm going to pick up on next week, but just giving you a a taste of that. But if it's your desire tonight, church, if you truly want full revelation, if you want to understand the will of God, if you're saying you're here tonight, you say, God, you know, I've not been the greatest doer of your word. I've had a good practice of hearing. I hear it on the radio and I, I hear it on TV and I hear it even in the house of God. But God, I could do a better job of doing what you've asked me to do. If that's your heart, like it's my heart, I want you to stand with me tonight as we pray, because this is a big step in our pursuit of godliness. It's becoming a hearer that does the word of God. So as I pray, just make that your personal prayer to God. You know the areas where you have to do better, better than I do. No one knows you better than you. No one knows me better than me. I know the areas where I have to grow. I know the areas where I have to do better. You know the areas that you have to grow. You know the areas that you have to do better. Amen. And that's what I want us to bring to the Lord this evening. Just got a couple minutes and I want us to just put our heart before God. Tonight, this is our prayer. I'm committing to becoming a doer of your word, God. I don't want to deceive myself and I want to be profitable to the kingdom. I want to be honorable and I want to be noble. I don't want to be a phony that wears a big badge. I want my life to be a reflection of the words that you've spoken into my life. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, for whatever truth you brought forth to your people. Whatever revelation, Father God, you've, you've enlightened us to. I thank you, Father God, that this is your word and not my word. I first thank you, God, that you were faithful as you always are to bring me, Father God, some revelation and truth that you you broke bread with me, God, and prepared me to bring a word to your people, God. They're your people, and you desire nothing more, Father God, than to see them blessed and to see them prosper. And it's why you teach us, God. It's why you correct us. It's why you reveal your word to us so we can be blessed by you. So teach us tonight, I pray, O God, to be more than hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Help us to have more of a practice than just coming into the house of God and finding our favorite seat and singing a few songs and listening to our pastor and even amening him as he does, God. I pray that you would teach us to be doers of your word, that we, Father God, would be a reflection of your word. That we would be the action of your word. That we would be the hands and the arms and the legs and the feet of your word, God. I pray that we would be profitable to the kingdom. I pray that we would be honorable, God, by doing and not just hearing. That we would be noble people, God. That it wouldn't be said of us like it was said of the Jews. That there is a more nobler people than the children of God. I pray, God, that you would never have to point to anyone else around us and say, they're more noble, they're more profitable, they're more honorable, because they do what I've told them to do. Help us, God, to be obedient servants to your word, because obedience is better than sacrifice. God, we could sacrifice time and we can sacrifice money. We can sacrifice all sorts of things to come to your house and even hear your word. But until we do it, God, until we obey it, it really isn't profitable. So, God, take every word 
that was spoken this evening, every word that came from you, every word that might have come from the flesh, I pray that it would fall away. But every word that came from you, every word that was ordained by you and anointed by you, I pray that it would find a place in the soil of our soul, God. That we would rise up, God, to be mighty individuals. That we would rise up to be doers of your word that can advance the kingdom of God. And God, it's my prayer this week as we prepare ourselves for Sunday and prepare ourselves for next Wednesday. That we would come with an eagerness into your house. That we would come with a deep desire, Father God, to have fellowship with you. And not just hear from you, but be prepared to respond, God, to your word. Whatever it is you ask of us, help us to be prepared to do it. I thank you for you being a doer. Not just speaking your love, but demonstrating it. Not just telling us you love us and telling us you care for us, but actually demonstrating and doing it on Calvary, God. I praise you for your faithfulness this evening. I pray, God, that as we go, that you would send your angels to encompass themselves about us. That you would give us safe journeys and safe travels. I pray that during this week you would bless and prosper your people, God. That as they rise up and as they lie down, as they go out and as they come in and as they walk along the way, God, that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings into their life. I pray, God, for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit, God, because without your Holy Spirit, we will struggle in vain. Without your Holy Spirit, we will walk according to the flesh. But I pray, God, that the fresh anointing and the fresh power of your Holy Spirit would fall upon your people. God, you know every need that's represented here. I pray that you would meet every need according to your riches and glory. I pray, God, that every single morning we would look up, that every single morning we would set our eyes unto you, O God, that we would pray to you every morning, include you in our life every morning. Because, God, without you, we're nothing. But with you, and with Jesus Christ, and with your word, we are everything you've called us to be. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Can we bless the Lord one more time, church? Amen. 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 As always, if you have a special need, need to tarry, have prayer, be happy to do that with you. Otherwise, go and be a doer of his word this week. Amen. God bless you as you go.